0: He's a burden bearer. That's just who he is. We give him glory and we give him honor and give him praise today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Before we go into the word uh, this morning, just uh, one quick thing I would like to share. Um, The Lord has just been, I have been burdened and I'm sensing this, the Lord, that has just been laying this on my heart uh, as we, as we, Continue to, to move further uh, into this year in ministry. Uh, you know, going back on the mission field has been one thing that is, has been weighing heavily on my heart. And on Thursday, uh, the Lord confirms, confirmed some things to me. Uh, and I've made a decision uh, through prayer and consultation that, that I'm going to go back out on the mission field this month. I'll be going to Liberia and I desire your prayers uh, as I prepare and plan to travel. Amen. I desire your prayers and your support. So if you want to sow into into, uh, this mission, uh, you can do so uh, through our website uh, toopraise.org designated for the Liberia mission. If you do that, you can give it to me directly or you can do cash app. And those of you who have my cash app, you can send funds directly to me. So be in prayer. I know that this pandemic is not over, uh, but the harvest is, 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 is ripe. The fields are white. They're ready uh, for the harvest. And it's time to trust God. Uh, actually, before I made this decision, uh, the Lord gave me this message uh, that that I'm going to preach to you today so I don't I think that that all of this is a part of the Lord's leading and directing. So in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, <clears throat> and Saul was there giving approval to his death, Stephen's death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Amen. Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I want to talk about pushing past distractions and excuses. Pushing past distractions and excuses. Heavenly Father, thank you for this preaching moment. Thank you, Lord God, for your word that you sent to us. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for what your word will accomplish in our lives. Grant me a fresh anointing of your spirit so that I will preach under your anointing. Grant me the ability to preach with clarity, thoroughness, Communicate effectively. Grant us all the anointing to hear and receive so that yokes will be destroyed, and burdens removed. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, pushing past distractions and excuses. Hallelujah. Jesus was perfectly obedient to the will of the Father. He knew his mission. He was committed to that mission. Even in the midst of physical or intense mental and physical suffering and pain, Jesus fulfilled his mission. In the book of of John, chapter 17, as Jesus prays for his disciples, uh, and he talks to the Father, he says in verse 4, he says, I bought I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Yeah. And we know that as Jesus is praying, he's not yet died on the cross, so the work is not completely finished. But in his commitment to the Lord, in his mind, in his will, the work is done. In verse 1 of that chapter, uh, Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. So he's talking about going to the cross. To totally finish the work, Jesus had to die on the cross. To be the sin offering, he had to be sacrificed on the cross. He had to shed his blood. He had to die. There was no other way to completely fulfill the mission. And as he's hanging On the cross, in John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus says, it is finished. The Bible says, and bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So he finished the work. He finished, he completed his mission. Considering Jesus' life and ministry, one of the things that we never see in him is we never see him making excuses We never see Jesus getting distracted by anything. He fulfills his mission completely. Completely obedient to the will of our Heavenly Father. Oh, that we were that committed. That we were so committed to doing the will of our Heavenly Father. to, To fulfilling the assignment that the Lord has given to us to the very end. The truth of the matter is... We're not that committed. We hear the Scriptures taught. We hear them preached. We know the Scriptures well. We know the example that Jesus set for us. We know what we're supposed to be doing. Yet for some reason, we do not do everything we can or do all of the things that God has assigned for us to do, when it comes to life and it comes to ministry, and, and and when we see we see Jesus' life and ministry, is tied together. Ministry was his life; his life was his ministry. Uh, when it comes to life and ministry, uh, being tied together and being the top priority in our lives, many of us fail miserably. I'm not certain of the actual reason. However, it appears that, that for many people, believers even, personal life comes first. And God and ministry comes second or third. It seems that, 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 that many of us are so concerned uh, about, are so consumed by our, com- our careers, uh, by our lifestyles that we've chosen and the things that, that we want to do that we don't give sharing the gospel in verbal and tangible ways top priority in our lives. <laughs> um, we tend to have a whole lot of excuses when it comes to sharing the gospel message. We tend to get distracted so easily when it comes to to. to to, to to ministry and 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 fulfilling the will of God, we easily put ministry on a back burner to go and do what we want to do. You know, you know. As I say that, I think of of people who used to say, "I'm going to lay my religion down and you know curse you out or, or beat you up or whatever." We may not curse people out, but we lay our faith down and we go and do what we want to do. We lay our responsibility to God down so that we can fulfill what we want to do first, you know. We don't put ministry as a top priority in our lives. We know that we're supposed to seek the kingdom of God first, you know. But many times, seeking the kingdom of God is not top priority in our lives. It's like, it's like you know, God is, is way off somewhere, and, and we don't give him much attention until... Trouble comes in our lives. Now, when trouble comes, it's, oh, Lord, I need you. Yeah. So, so we don't give ministry top priority in our lives. And consequently, the work of ministry is left undone. The work of ministry is left undone. The responsibility to God, to sharing the gospel, to reaching souls and winning souls, which is our responsibility, is left undone. Undone. Uh, we allow excuses. Uh, you know your excuses. We allow distractions to get in our way. And you know what distracts you. But we got to remember what Jesus taught about excuses. Okay, in Luke chapter 14, and the references in 15, verses 15 through 24, and I won't read all of those, Jesus talks about. How this man prepared a great banquet and invited people to come to his banquet, and, and and all of them had excuses. In verse 21, in verse 21, the Bible says that the host of the dinner became angry because all of his invited guests made excuses. And he told his servants to go out into the hedges and the highways and and and, and bring in other people. And when the servant came back and said, I've done that in a still room, he said, go get the sick, the lame, all of these, that my house may be full. And when I read that, I read that again this morning, the Lord impressed in my spirit how God is not going to wait for us to do his will. God will bring in those that he wants, those that he will even have to prepare, those that society might, 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 might push to the side. To get his will done. God will replace us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be replaced. I don't want to be replaced by the Lord. I don't want someone else doing what it is my responsibility to do. Because if I'm pushed to the outside because of my excuses or because of my uh, distractions that that have come in my life, then I am the one who's on the losing end. I don't want to be replaced. Jesus doesn't accept excuses. He doesn't accept excuses from us when it comes to doing the will of God, when it comes to proclaiming the gospel message. Jesus is looking for faithful workers to send into into the harvest field. In our text, in our text for today, we see where persecution, great persecution, had arisen against the church. Severe persecution, when I say great, I don't mean in a wonderful way, but severe persecution uh, had arisen against the church. It it happened immediately after Stephen's death. And Stephen had been stoned to death. He didn't just lay down and die or read the account, okay? Saul, Saul spearheaded that persecution. He was the ringleader. The Bible describes it like this. In chapter 8, verse 1 of Acts, the Bible says, And Saul approved of their killing him. The King James says, and, uh, and NIV says, Consented to his death. Okay? So, so Saul was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a part of the Sanhedrin, and, 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 and more than likely. And he, uh, he consented. He approved of this mob killing Stephen. And then without any break, any hesitation, any pause in the wording, the Bible says on that day, that very same day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except uh, the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now, the fact that the apostles weren't persecuted is not a part of this message today, but but this was considered the the, the synagogue of the freedmen, the Sen- the Hellenistic people, and it was against the Greek-speaking Jews that this persecution broke out against. So the apostles were Jewish, and they were still attending the synagogue and what have you. So they didn't they didn't appear to be a threat at this moment but these greek speaking people these hellenists these people that were part of the synagogue that stephen was a part of this is who this persecution broke out against and then the bible says godly men buried stephen and mourned deeply for him verse 3 says but Saul began to destroy the church he began to destroy the church the new king james <clears throat> king james records it like this <clears throat> He made havoc of the church, and the Revised Standard Version says he ravaged the church. Saul ravaged the church. The Greek word there uh, is the word la- manio, and it is an expression that that gives that, that is used to describe wild beasts attacking and tearing their prey, all right, like a lion or a bear or leopards Tearing raw flesh. That was the type of thing that was happening there. And that's why the Bible says severe persecution broke out against the church. Saul was ravishing the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Severe persecution of the Christians. People were thrown into prison, people had to leave their homes, driven from their homes. And the point that 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 I wanted us that the Lord impressed upon me uh, as it relates to pushing past distractions and excution, I mean, uh, and excuses. Excuse me, is that in verse four, the Bible says, "Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word." Didn't say they stopped. Okay, they could have used persecution. That was being leveled at them, as a reason to stop. It could have been their excuse for not proclaiming the word anymore. They could have been distracted by Stephen being killed. You know what happens if 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 somebody suddenly gets killed? People stop doing everything that they are and they run and watch if they're in that group. If you were gathered in a in a congregation this morning and 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 the preaching was going on and someone had a heart attack and died, people would take their attention away from the preaching and put it on that person who had a heart attack. You say, oh, Bishop, but that's a natural response. Yeah, it is natural, but we're supposed to be supernatural beings. Amen. We're not supposed to operate in the natural. And, and I think we, we miss this sometimes. Anyway, these people did not allow this persecution. They didn't allow... The death of Stephen, they did not allow Saul making havoc of the church to distract them or they did not allow the fact that they had to leave their homes, lose, leave their possessions, maybe leave their jobs and their families to, do, to, to stop them in any way from proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They pushed beyond Distractions and possible excuses to do the work of ministry. Saints of God, the time is now. The time is now for us to move beyond excuses. What excuses have you been making? Hmm. The time is now for us to move beyond distractions. What has been distracting you? And maybe this pandemic is a great distraction. What has been distracting you? Maybe people getting sick and dying is a great distraction. What has been distracting you? Maybe your fear is a great distraction. What has been distracting you? This is an urgent mandate of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The time is now. We have to push beyond our excuses and our distractions and engage the work of ministry. The time is now, saints. I can't, I can't stop. I can't, I can't stop proclaiming what our Lord told us in John chapter 4, verse 35, the second part of that verse. He says, I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the field, at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They're right. We are still coming in contact with people every day. Those of us who have access to social media still have access to thousands of people every day. I don't know how many friends you have on Facebook, but I have over 2,500 that say they're my friends. I don't know all of them, you know. The friend is a loose word that people use. Amen but I have access to them. I have access to Twitter. I have access to websites. I have access to blogs. Many of you have access to Snapchat and WhatsApp and other social media platforms. You have access. What are you doing with the access that you have? The time is now. The time is now for us to push beyond our excuses. We don't have excuses anymore. Yeah, we see this. We see this in this text that the Lord has given to us. So, so I want to talk about these these conclusions that we can draw, amen, to help us push beyond, uh, push past distractions and excuses, so that we can really engage in the spreading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is most important. I think sometimes we think we have to make people believe. We don't have to make people believe. We got to preach the gospel. That's what we have to do. We have to be faithful in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. First of all, when we look at these people, We can see, when we look at the early believers, and even looking at Jesus Christ, but looking at these individuals, amen, we see that it was that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ that enabled them to push past distractions and excuses. Stephen was stoned to death because of his commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christians were persecuted, dragged from their houses, uh, and thrown into prison because of their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. They fled their homes, they fled their hometown, they fled Jerusalem, and they continued to preach the gospel because of their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says throughout they were scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, and it was because of their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. By the same token, Stephen's death didn't distract them. Stephen's death did not give them an excuse to stop proclaiming the gospel. Yes, they might have been killed too, but they didn't stop proclaiming the gospel. The raging and the ravaging of the church by Paul, by Saul, did not distract them or did not give them an excuse to stop proclaiming the gospel. Being thrown into prison did not distract them, did not give them an excuse to stop proclaiming the gospel. Being scattered abroad didn't give them an excuse to stop proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, sold out to him. Now, you know, as I say that, remember that Jesus is the gospel. His message is the gospel. So if I'm committed to him, I'm committed to his message, and I'm committed to doing what he has called me to do. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 12, verses 25 through 26. Jesus says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Wow. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So, Jesus is saying, if, you, if you're going to follow me, you're going to do what I did. You're going to be where I am. Amen? Jesus was, Jesus is the gospel. Jesus proclaimed his message. He gives us that same assignment. And if we are his followers, we're going to do what he told us to do. Now, that's a qualifying, that, that, that is a, 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 a statement to, to make us think. It's a divided statement because we say we follow Jesus, but if we're following Jesus, are we doing what he told us to do? If we're following him, we're where he is. Hallelujah. Amen. These people followed Jesus. Even in proclaiming the gospel, they were following Jesus. They followed Jesus in being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Wasn't Jesus persecuted? They followed Jesus even in death. Didn't Jesus die? Nothing stopped them from, from proclaiming the gospel. Saints of God, today we need to check out our commitment level. Yeah, we're com- some of us are committed to coming to church. Some of us are committed to paying our tithes. Some of us are committed to even trying to live right. But how many of us are committed to proclaiming this gospel message? It's even time out for people saying, I don't know what to say. Because if you, if you know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, if you've been sitting under the teaching of the gospel, you know what to say. If you you think you don't know what to say, then you've been distracted. You're making excuses. The second thing I noticed that the Lord showed me in this passage of Scripture is that it was their courage that enabled them to push past distractions and excuses to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Verse 2. Verse 2. Godly men buried Stephen... And mourned deeply for him. of course these godly men were probably some of Stephen's fellow Jewish Christians uh, why why is this important? well you know Stephen was stoned to death f- for being accused of being a blasphemer okay they accused him of being a blasphemer and a lawbreaker all right So those people who stoned him to death had already considered him to be a criminal, a lawbreaker. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish authorities, Paul being a part of that, Saul being a part of that, consented to his death. Listen now. So it was against Jewish law to have a funeral for a condemned criminal. Stephen in their eyes would have been a condemned criminal, but these men, these godly men, these devout men, took his body and buried him anyway. Courage, courage. You can remember Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus's body, buried his body. Jesus was a condemned criminal in their eyes. Courage, it took courage, okay? The Hebrew word, one of the Hebrew words for courage is hazak. it means to show oneself strong, okay? Another word is ruah, which is spirit, A uh, alibab, which is heart, and another one is amak, to be quick or alert, and it, it exhibits the basic attitude, listen now, it exhibits the basic attitude attitude from which courage flows. Courage is therefore a quality of the mind and can only be seen in its manifestations. I don't know that you are a courageous person until it manifests in your life. You don't know that I'm courageous until it manifests in my life. I can talk about courage all day long, but until there is a situation that I'm presented with where I stand up and I show myself strong, you don't know that I have courage. Hmm. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, there's another word for courage. And I think the word in the in the in the in the Greek is thirio. It means and and, and and it means to to uh, uh, to be confident, to be hopeful, to be of good courage. So in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6, the word of God says, "So we say with confidence." Listen now, we say with confidence, "The Lord is my helper." I will not be afraid. What can mortals do to me? When I look at these people who took Stephen's body and buried it at the risk of them being considered criminals as well and being thrown into prison, when I look at these believers who continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of great persecution, I see people who are saying, We say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mortal men do to me? Hallelujah. Courage. It takes courage to push beyond excuses. It takes courage to move beyond distractions. One theologian says it like this, Courage is a Christian's duty but it's also a constant possibility for one who places himself in the hand of the Almighty God. Have you placed yourself in the hand of the Almighty God? Have you placed yourself in the hand of the Almighty God, the all-sufficient God? Then he'll give you the courage to push beyond, to push past the excuses and distractions to do the work of ministry. All oh, that believers Had courage today. Oh, that believers had courage today. We got courage in the sanctuary. (laughs) We have courage to stand up and preach in the sanctuary. We have courage to stand up and sing in the sanctuary. We have courage to talk to one another about the Lord Jesus Christ. But we already know Jesus. We need to be talking to those who don't know him. Who that we had Courage. Daniel chapter 11, hallelujah, verse 32, the second part of that verse. And, of course, in in the the, the NIV, it it helps us to see that that Daniel is speaking of of people who have to deal with the opposition. The latter part of that verse, and that's what I want to focus on, and this was asked because it came up in our class last week. So, Brother Steve, if you're listening, pay attention right here, all right? The, The latter part of that verse says, they that in the King James... They that know their God will have confidence, or they who have confidence in their God shall be strong and do exploits. The NIV says, "Though who, they who know their God, amen, will, will show courage. Whoa. The people who know their God will firmly resist him, firmly resist him. So if you know your God, and, and, and the issue here is not about many different gods. Daniel is talking about the Almighty God. If you know the Almighty God, you will be strong and you will be courageous. You will do great exploits if you know God. That's what's important here. God wants us to have courage as we face the distractions, and not allow the excuses to get in our way. Take courage and do the will of God. Take courage and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take courage and go into the hedges and the highways. Take courage! Because if you know God, you know God will make a way out of no way. If you know God, you know God will... And allow his angels to encamp around you. If you know God, you know God will take care of you wherever you go. Thirdly, thirdly, yeah, hallelujah, the third thing that the Lord showed me in this text that will help us push past distractions and excuses is that it was their perspective. Commitment, courage, and Perspective. CCP, (laughs) if you can remember that. Commitment, courage, and perspective. It was their perspective. Perspective is the way you see a thing, the way you perceive a thing. Perspective is your particular attitude towards something. What was their perspective? Let's look at this thing. The Lord showed me three things, all right? Their perspective is picked up on as Luke records the things that happened during this time, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts, okay? As Luke describes the things that were happening this, in, in this time, three things that Luke tells us. The first one, uh, hallelujah. It's mentioned in Acts chapter 7, verses 59 and 60. Look at, look at what it says. Stephen, Stephen was praying while they were stoning him. Wow. Bible doesn't say he was screaming, doesn't say he was crying. The Bible says Stephen was praying while they were stoning stoning him. Look at what he prayed. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he shouted loudly, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. While they were stoning him, where had he heard these words? Where had he possibly seen and heard these words? He heard Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross. So he's looking at Jesus. As they're killing him, his perspective is, they're doing to me the same thing that they did to my Lord. Here Jesus on the cross, in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And Luke 23, verse 46, Jesus prayed, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Stephen's perspective was that the cause of Jesus Christ was more important to him than his very life. Dying for the cause of Christ was more important to him Than saving his life. I love the testimony of the victorious Christians, the victorious saints, past, present, and future, Uh, uh, in their victory over Satan that's referenced in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. The Bible says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Hallelujah. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We are too afraid of dying. We don't want to lose people. We want people to stay with us forever. The Bible says it is appointed and the man wants to die and after death to judgment. We love our lives too much, and it becomes easy to make excuses and to allow distractions to get in our way. We don't want to suffer, we don't want to sacrifice, we don't want, we don't want our names to be scandalized, we don't want to have to go through anything. Therefore, it becomes easy for us to make excuses. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. It becomes easy for us to get distracted. Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, ring so true here. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you love your life, that's where your treasure is. You're gonna lose it. Jesus said if you lose your life for my sake and the gospel, you find it. Yeah. His perspective. Second thing about his perspective, and listen to this. And as I was reading this, you know, just these these words, the Holy Spirit just, just popped them out at me. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7, verse 60. Stephen fell asleep. Now, these people are stoning him. He dies. But as Luke writes, he says, Stephen fell asleep. Hmm. When you you do the study and, 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 and understand. Early Christian thought. Early Christians often use the concept of sleep for death. Sometimes we hear people, older people, say when someone died in the Lord, they fell asleep. Yeah. But we don't hear that a lot. We hear, he died, she died. Huh. Okay. But to say Stephen fell asleep was a confession of their confidence and their assurance of the resurrection. Death was a dark end, a dark dreaded end. Sleep is just a repose until the time of waking up. What a perspective. Stephen fell asleep. It was easier to think of the transition from life to life as one was falling asleep as opposed to one Dying, okay? Their perspective was not that of an end, but it was that of a new beginning. The Bible says flesh and blood cannot et- inherit eternal life. So we've got to transition from this body to the next body to inherit eternal life. And eternal life is what we're really, really looking for because we know, we know that we didn't come here to stay. Jesus said, in my Father's house of many mansions. if it were not so, I would have told you, i go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. I want to go where Jesus is. Do you want to go where Jesus is? I want to be where Jesus is. There's only one way for it to happen. I got to fall asleep on this side. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You may not see me waking up and talking to you the next morning, but that's going to come a day when you're going to fall asleep too. And you're going to wake up if you're in Jesus on the other side. And oh, what a reunion we're going to have in the sky, in heaven. Jesus said in John chapter 11, uh, verse 11, as he talked about Lazarus, he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. When he got there, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would, have, would not have died. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. I'm in chapter 11, verse 21, and so forth. Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will never die. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. For the early saints, their perspective was that death was not the final end, but just a time of sleeping because of their assurance of the resurrection. Death is not the final end for the believer, saints. Death is the doorway To the new beginning because Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Last thing in this perspective, in this perspective, Stephen was praying while they were stoning him. He fell asleep. Praying, fell asleep. Last thing, the Bible says they were scattered. Why is that significant? They were scattered. This is, this is, this is. Luke, right in the scriptures. And from his perspective, he's also speaking of the perspective of that time. They were scattered. They were scattered. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. The word there for scattered is dispersio. It comes from the Greek word for seed. Listen now, perspective. We're talking about perspective. You got to have the right perspective if you're going to push past excuses and distractions. The word there is seed. They were they were scattered uh, uh, after they had to flee from Jerusalem. They didn't see themselves just as refugees. They didn't see themselves just as people who had been persecuted but they were scattered like seed. They were seed. Are you listening? In in the regions of Judea and Samaria, they became seed. Glory to God. Amen. And and, and scattered seed grow. Are you listening? And if you have this perspective, you got to realize who's doing the scattering, who's doing the sowing. You can look at the, at the Jewish, uh, 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 you can look at Saul and you can blame Saul, but ultimately God is in control. Ultimately God is behind the things that happen in this life and God will take the tricks of the enemy and turn them into a blessing. They saw themselves as seed being scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. Everywhere they went, they showed the word of God. Everywhere they went, they won souls to the kingdom. Everywhere they went, they advanced the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. God was in control because when when you read this, When you read this and you know the scriptures, your mind has to go back to Acts chapter 1. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. Now the seed is being dispersed into Judea and Samaria. God is at work. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. You can't fight against God. The devil can't fight God and win. I said you can't fight against God. You can fight against God, but you won't win. I know of a situation today where somebody is fighting against God. But let me tell you, you can't win against God. God is the almighty God. God is the all-powerful God. God will take the tricks of the enemy and turn them into a blessing. Are you listening to me today? Hallelujah. They did not allow this dispersion to be a distraction They did not allow this dispersion to be an excuse. Their perspective was, they were a seed, and they continued to do the will of God. Saints of God, we've got to have the right perspective these days. We can allow fear to grip us, and that can become an excuse. We can allow distractions, life, home, family, things that we choose to become a distraction. But we've got to have the right perspective about this thing. Hallelujah. So that we can do the work and the will of Almighty God. The time is now, glory to God, to go out to find ways to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been commissioned, we've been anointed to do the work of ministry. I said we've been anointed. It's the anointing of the Lord that destroys the yoke. Hallelujah! If you've been anointed, the 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 yoke destroyed, uh, burden removing power of God is on your life to destroy, to destroy, to break down, to to, to 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 wipe out those excuses. Push past your excuses. Push past your distractions, and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Proclaim it. Preach it, teach it, live it, and then God will do the rest. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. I said earlier, sometimes we think we got to do the preaching and the drawing. We got to do the preaching and the saving. But no, 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 no. The saving is not our business. That's not our part of the work. We can't save anybody. We can't make anybody come to Jesus. But the word of God, is active and alive. The word of God is quick and powerful. If we just preach the gospel, the Lord will do his part. This active and alive word will come alive in people's lives. But we've got to do what God told us to do. Push past your excuses. Push past those distractions. Excuses easily come up. Distractions are all around us. Push past him. Proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. I pray that heaven, that God will smile upon your life. That God will give you peace. As you push past your excuses, your distractions, and doing the will of Almighty God, proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The time is Now, if you're listening to me today and you are not saved, let me tell you, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. There's none like Jesus. He is God in the beginning. He is God in Jesus. He is God even now, seated at the right hand of the Father in the Godhead to make intercession for you and me. He died for you. God the Father raised him from the dead on the third day so that you could have everlasting life. If you neglect so great a salvation, how will you escape in the judgment? Don't neglect the salvation. Don't neglect what the Lord has done for you. Don't make excuses anymore as to why you should live right, as to why you shouldn't trust the Lord. Don't make any excuses as to why you shouldn't give your life to Jesus. Don't Give your life to Jesus today. He died on the cross for you. He shed his blood. He satisfied divine justice for you. Divine justice says the person of the soul that sins shall surely die. Jesus took your place. He died for you so that you would have to die for your sins. And He offers life to you. You're not saved just because you go to church or just because your mother or daddy was saved or just because you were confirmed at birth. You're saved because. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You accept him, the decision of your will, to accept that sacrifice and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. He will honor your request if it is a sincere decision of your will. He, through his Spirit, will come to live in you. He'll come to save you and live in you and live out the life of God through you so that you can get involved and help other people come to know Jesus as Savior and your Lord. There's an assignment on your life. You can neglect it. You can deny it. But the day will come, listen now, when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The only problem is The only issue is that in that day, you will not have time. It will not be the right time. It will not be the right place. It will not be the right order of things for you to accept him. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. In that day of judgment, you've, you've, you've missed out. You've missed out. But you will still have to acknowledge him being Lord. You'll have to acknowledge your mistake. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. So if you are not saved today, give your life to Jesus. If your children are not saved, witness to them. Share Jesus with them. Pray with them. Lead them to accept Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. I want to pray with you right now. If this is your will, if this is your desire to be saved, pray this prayer along with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. But I believe that you died on the cross, paid the price that I deserve to pay because of my sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Lord Jesus, Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I give myself to you. And I receive you now as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, there was a promise of the Scripture. And John... Chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I couldn't make that choice for you. Your parents can make that choice for you. It is your own decision. And the Bible says here, the Bible says, all who received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved.